off episode 183 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Horror Peak. It's from the album Savage Iceland from the band Burt Rocket. It appears on this podcast with their permission. You can find them at facebook.com slash Burt Rocket. Go check them out. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. Welcome to the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer-producer Derek M. Cook. I'm excited to have you here because I've got somebody new on the show. Somebody who's never been on the show before. His name's Nicholas Hatcher, and he's a podcaster. He recently launched his podcast, Vampire Over Hollywood, the Bela Lugosi podcast. This podcast is about nothing but Bela Lugosi, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about his background, why he decided to start podcasting, that sort of thing. And then we're also going to, this week, talk about the movie Dead Men Walk with Nicholas. Before all that, though, we have some business to take care of. We're going to talk a little bit about this year's Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. You know, why don't we just go ahead and dive into that right now? The Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards is in its 13th year. Every year they honor the best in classic horror fandom, appreciation, scholarship. They do cover some modern stuff as well, but for the most part, it's nothing but classic horror stuff, and I love it. I love it because I go through the ballot every year, and it becomes a wish list for me. I start checking off things that I either missed the previous year, toys that I haven't checked out and considered adding to my collection movies magazine covers that are just gorgeous i have to say that i have discovered a few of the monster magazines that i read thanks to the rondo hatton classic horror awards there's just so much great stuff out there and in the past i've been nominated for a rondo award in the category of best multimedia as a podcaster i've been there and this year monster kid radio is up for best multimedia podcasting or streaming I'm up there with a ton of awesome nominees, including some that I'm going to talk about here in a second. Now, this segment that I'm doing here, this isn't about what I'm voting for in the rondos. This is recognizing everybody who's ever been part of Monster Kid Radio and their accomplishments for being nominated for a rondo this year. There are a lot of people that receive nominations this year, and they all deserve it. It's unfortunate that in so many of these categories, well, in every category, there's only one award given out because there's so much great quality material out there that's on the nominee list this year. So this segment, I want to recognize the nominees and the categories that have people that were involved in Monster Kid Radio over the past couple of years. And I want to start by looking at the 10th category. So category 10 is the best short film category. The short movie, A Zombie Next Door, is nominated. That was co-directed by Trish Geiger and Frank Dietz. We've had Frank Dietz on the show a couple of times. want to give him a shout-out and say thank you, and congratulations on your nomination for a rondo. Now, in the category for Best Books, this is Category 11, there are three books on there that have connections to previous guests on Monster Kid Radio. The Creature Chronicles, Exploring the Black Lagoon Trilogy by Tom Weaver, David Schechter, and Steve Cornenberg. We had Tom on the show when we were doing Creature Cast Among Us. The book, I Saw What I Saw When I Saw It, Growing Up in the 1950s and 1960s with Television Reruns and Old Movies by Frank Delostrito. Frank was on the show when we were bringing you coverage from Monster Bash. Also at Monster Bash, we did an interview with Gregory William Mank, and his book, The Very Witching Time of Night, Dark Alleys of Classic Horror Cinema, is also on the ballot. In the category of Best Article, Mank is there again with his article, Carnival of Monstrosity, the 70th Anniversary of House of Frankenstein. That was in the magazine Monsters from the Vault, issue number 33. 
Also, August Rigoni is nominated for Best Article in the Complete Godzilla Chronology, 1954 to 2004. It appeared in Famous Monsters of Filmland, number 274. August appeared on the show when we crashed a screening of the original Godzilla, and he and Kyle Yount from the Kaiju Cast, which we'll talk about here shortly, introduced the movie and gave us a little talk about Godzilla. Back to Tom Weaver, the creature from the Black Lagoon guy. Well, he also interviewed Joe Swirling Jr. about Boris Karloff's thriller and he's nominated for best interview in the best interview category the interview appeared in monsters from the vault number 33 the category best magazine column my man dr gangrene has been nominated for his scary monsters magazine column the doctor is insane dr gangrene man we're gonna get back to his name a few times in the category of best magazine cover carrie gamble's cover for monsters from the vault number 33 which is awesome was nominated and we're going to go back to Dr. Gangrene in the category of best blog or online column with Dr. Gangrene's mad blog. Also, if you're not reading the website, The Good, The Bad, and The Godzilla by August Rigoni, you're missing out. Category 20 is best convention. And there were two conventions that I went to on the list and I brought you coverage from both of them. The Cthulhu Con and HP Lovecraft Film Festival and Monster Bash were both nominated for best convention. Category number 21, the best fan event. Randy Bowser's Karloff, a one-person show. And as an aside, congratulations to Randy. His one-person show is going to see the stage again in October in Massachusetts. I want to get Randy back on the show to talk a little bit about that. So we'll table this discussion until then. Back to Carrie Gamble, best horror comic. Bela Lugosi's Tales from the Grave is nominated. That is Carrie Gamble's Monsterverse Comics line. The favorite horror host category, Dr. Gang Green is there again. As well as Mr. Lobo. We had Mr. Lobo on the show when we were covering Monster Bash. Dr. Gang Green is all over this thing in the category of best music CD as well. His CD, The Blood Waters of Dr. G, which is a collection of the best music from the horror hootenannies, well, that's been nominated for best music CD as well. I skipped over best multimedia podcasting or streaming because I wanted to say that for the end because, I mean, really, as a podcaster, this is a category that I really watch because I'm so thrilled when my friends and colleagues get nominated in this category and... I appreciate Monster Kid Radio getting nominated as well. I'm touched and I'm honored. Monster Kid Radio is not the only podcast that I'm involved with that was nominated as well. The Hammer Films podcast that I produced with Scott Morris and Casey Criswell, 1951 Down Place, was also nominated in this category. And I mentioned the Kaiju cast a second ago. We've had Kyle Yount on the show. We had Jeff Dean, Rachel Cook, and Brian Cook on the show not too long ago. Well, their Kaiju cast was also nominated in this category, as was Dr. Gang Green's Fantastic Films of Vincent Price YouTube series. So there's some stiff competition in just the people who have appeared on Monster Kid Radio in this category, not to say anything of everybody else who's been nominated. I mean, Bloody Good Horror's in there, which is another show that Casey's involved with. The B-Movie cast is up there. I, I'm not going to start trying to name them off the top of my head, because I'm sure I'll forget somebody. But this category is packed with goodness, classic horror, as well as modern horror, good stuff all around. Like I said, I love the Rondo Awards. I've been a supporter of the Rondo Awards back during my zombie podcasting days. The Rondo Award is something that I respect and appreciate year after year. And David, the guy who puts it together, works so hard to make this happen. So big thanks to David. Big thanks to the Classic Horror Film Boards. And big thanks to, well, everybody who's ever appeared on Monster Kid Radio, and congratulations if you were nominated for a Rondo. So how do you vote in the Rondos? Well, might make more sense if you looked at the ballot in front of you by going to rondoaward.com. And the ballot? Well, you just send an email 
to Taraco at AOL.com. That's T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com. The deadline is April 19th, midnight. Get your votes in. Every email must include your real name to be counted. And remember, overly organized voting campaigns like mass duplication of ballots, creating fake email addresses, things like that are prohibited. So let's just try to keep this fun, lighthearted, and respectful of everybody who is nominated for an award. I'm not going to tell you who I'm voting for. I can tell you that in most of the categories where somebody from Monster Kid Radio was represented, I'll probably end up voting for them. And people who know me well enough can probably guess who I'm really voting for in some of these categories. I may make some noise in some other groups that I'm involved with for other categories outside of the podcasting thing, because really, man, that multimedia category is stacked with so much great content. Wow. If you do vote for Monster Kid Radio, thank you. If you do vote for anybody else, thank you. And as always, when you send in your ballot, let them know that you heard about the Rondo Awards here on Monster Kid Radio. If you go to monsterkidradio.net, I'm going to have a copy of this particular ballot, the Monster Kid Radio specific portion of the ballot available on our website as well. So you can check that out at your convenience. Also, you don't have to vote in every category if you don't want to. Oh, and that best article category, you can vote for two. Again, only one will win though. Why don't we go ahead and get two Nicholas Hatcher, podcaster, Lugosi fan, my colleague, right after this. Let no one leave. Move on yet your power. We will not stop. Until we have discovered the vampires who seek the life of this beautiful girl. And her lover. Watch out! They may be hovering over you. Or you. Or you! The danger stalks through the night. No one is safe. Their fury would follow us to the ends of the earth. No, we must destroy them all together. <coughs> Scourge of mankind, they shall be found. I hereby summon to this place next week every person within the sound of my voice. You shall be judges of this eerie conspiracy. Here we shall meet Lionel Barrymore, Elizabeth Allen, Bela Lugosi, Jean Herschel, Lionel Atwood. Of the vampire. White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at 
sdsullivan.com. Recently, newspapers and magazines everywhere carried an amazing story. Reporters saw Dr. Manley Hall hypnotize actor Lugosi to give reality to a scene in Black Friday. Horror-struck, they witnessed the hypnotized actor's mortal agony as Lugosi actually experienced the terror of suffocating to death in a closet. Let me out, please! I'm suffocating! sinister hand of science dares a new and dangerous experiment. Into the body of a gentle scholar is grafted the brain of a criminal, and a new and deadly monster is born to ravage an unsuspecting world. we shot. Yeah, fix it up, will you? How'd you get it? The coppers shot me. It's only a scratch. How'd you get it? Well, don't ride me. It's your fault anyway. Fine. Yeah. We'll take the bucks. Go ahead and shoot. You want to dive 200 feet for it? Keep him covered. Monster Kid Radio, I'd like to welcome to the show a fellow fan, a fellow Monster Kid, and now a fellow podcaster, Nicholas Hatcher. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio, sir. Hey, man. It's great to be here. I am thrilled to have you on the show. You've got a podcast of your own now talking about one of our patron saints here on MKR, The Vampire Over Hollywood, all about Bela Lugosi. Sign me up. He's definitely one of the biggest icons. I think patron saint is a... definitely fitting for him i just i love lugosi and i definitely feel like a lot of his other films just don't really get the recognition they deserve so i thought that i would kind of shed some light on those a little bit i think you're right you know you think about karloff and so many of his movies were like prestige pictures and we still look at them as prestige pictures a lot of lon cheney's work and you know even john agar to kind of name drop our other patron saints here (laughs) you know they get the recognition but so many of lugosi's films kind of fell into the public domain bottom of the barrel the 50 movie box sets they don't get the respect so i'm excited to see where you're going to take us now before we get to the podcast before we get to vampire over hollywood i'd love to introduce you proper to the listeners of monster kid radio people who haven't listened to your show yet or don't know who you are this is your first podcast yes uh i have Never done any sort of podcast before. I have done audio work for uh, certain uh, jobs and things like that, but I have never done a podcast, so I, I kind of winged it, honestly. And then, you know, I thankfully there's a great community for Monster Kid Radio, and there's a great community for uh, the B Movie Cast, Vince Rotolo's podcast, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yep. And so I kind of uh, just shared it with all of you guys, and uh, it's getting really good reviews so far. So, how long have you been a fan of the classic monster movies? Ever since I was a kid, you know, I'm 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 a younger guy, which is kind of rare in uh, a lot of these uh, fandoms. But I 
I've been watching these movies since I was a kid. I'm only in my early 20s, so I kind of feel like I am leading this uh, fandom into the next generation because, let's face it, a lot of these movies aren't being watched by younger people, which is right. really, really unfortunate. But I grew up with these films. I've always been into more classic kind of things, whether it's music or movies or entertainment in general. When I was a kid, I got into uh, silent movies, which is, you know, really? kind of, yeah, which is kind of strange because, uh, how many kids out there are watching silent movies? But, you know, so yeah. my first and still, I'm still obsessed with him was, uh, Charlie Chaplin. I, I really love Charlie Chaplin and his films. And through that, I kind of got into more of the silent comedy, which is Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. And that led into more of the 1930s comedy, you know, Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges and Abbott, Abbott and Costello. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know about that. You're, uh, <laughs> you cover all their films and they're, they're fantastic, but I'll never forget being in a blockbuster and looking through the classic section and there was this one videotape that just caught my eye and it was this strange looking man with his hands waving in the air and he had this strange expression on his face and down at the bottom of the tape it said Dracula and I just thought I have to see this movie I I, I have to and so I saw Dracula for the first time I probably was in probably the first grade and uh it wow. changed my yeah it, cha- it changed my life after that i mean lugosi was my man i just i did an, a lugosi impression which my parents thought were was hilarious and uh <laughs> you know cuz this is uh, this is a uh, first grade kid and i mean this wasn't you know the monster boom of the of the 1960s this was the 90s and so uh there wasn't a lot of this going around i just kind of discovered these films on my own and thankfully you know i had parents who really supported that you know from lugosi i got turned on to other things you know obviously giant monsters i love godzilla movies i mean and it's got to the point now where i really i mean i've i never met a monster movie i didn't like i just you know i <laughs> I, I i like i like almost everything and that i kind of moved away from it in high school you know we all kind of get our priorities screwed up in high school a little bit but yeah, um same thing happened to me so yeah you know we kind of i kind of moved away from it but thankfully by the time i got out of it I rediscovered a lot of these early films and, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of the universal horror films because frankly, besides Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, a lot of them weren't available to me. And so as being an adult now, I was able to seek these films out, fell in love with them all over again, but a little more so. And, um, I also discovered Mr. Science Theater 3000, which, uh, okay. at first, you know, and I, I love that show. It's, it's a great show. At first, I was really into the show, but then when I was watching it, I was, I was becoming more interested in the films themselves. I still watch an episode every once in a while, but I got to the point where I just would rather have watched the film. So, I, you know, that really introduced me to a lot of B-movie uh, genre films, and and that opened the whole gamut up to me, including, like, exploitation films and, you know, spaghetti westerns and kung fu and everything. So now it, it's Oh, man, it's you're just, talking my language, brother. Yeah, it's, I just, it's all just genre films for me, and I love all of them. I really... There's very few of them that I, I can't appreciate. I have the ability to sit down... And when I'm watching a movie, I can turn off the world and turn off the outside criticism and turn off all that stuff and just enjoy a movie for what it is. So that's why I can take a movie like Dead Men Walk and ignore all the, oh, this is slow, this is dated. You know, it's it's a fun film. Films are fun. And, you know, the real world itself is 
very dark and depressing. And so I like to watch movies that are fun. I, I like to watch movies with monsters and I just, that's, that's what I'm about. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where I, I come from. And we just, we all love these movies, man. We got to stick together. This is true. I mean, it is a, a community and it's a, it's a really great community, a very welcoming community. I, I've talked a little bit about my background on the show in the past and, you know, I, I kind of had a similar a journey where I was watching or at least learning about these when I was a kid in high school, kind of drifted away, got into all the gore stuff yeah. um, and, you know, eventually came back to who I was meant to be. I suppose you could say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, a, as a monster kid. So I, my journey is very similar. I'm, I'm trying to imagine walking into a blockbuster and just being drawn in by oh, a Bela yeah. Lugosi cover. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly what it was like. It was almost like it was destiny. It was kind of weird, you know. It just and I remember just going back and I specifically remember Godzilla versus Monster Zero sitting on that shelf, and I just thought I I have to see this movie. You know, there'd just be these movies, and it's just it'd be you'd be drawn to them. That's still my favorite Godzilla film to this day. You know, these movies stick with you when you're growing up with them, and then when you're older, you get to see all these other films, and it just it grows and grows and grows. So it's 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 definitely a fun genre to be a part of. You know, I think we're both incredibly lucky right now to be monster kids in the era of streaming and instant video and oh, yeah. so many things being released on DVD and yeah, it's all for right better there. or worse, YouTube. I mean, it's all out there now for us to just go and grab and consume and love. It's interesting you said that. I was reading an, an article in a Scary Monsters last night and somebody said, you know, it's it's nice that we have the ability to instantly see any film that we want at any time, but you also kind of lose that bit of wonder a little bit you know yeah. because you, you'd be reading you know back then you, movies weren't easily available like that all the time and so you know you'd be going through the tv guide and marking okay house of frankenstein's gonna be on this week i can't miss house you know what i mean and so it's it's changed a little bit but it's also cool that we get get to see so many of these films and find out about movies that we may have never even heard about otherwise you know, we get, I get that charge when somebody talks about how something's going to be coming out on DVD for the first time. Yeah, or me too. somebody just found a print of something somewhere, so they're going to re-release it and remaster it. Even if it's something that I've already seen a thousand times, like oh. White Zombie or Phantom of the Opera, they found a new print or they're going to do a new master. It still thrills me to know that that's coming because I still get, you get a little bit of that looking forward to and, you know, I can't miss it kind of feel. Yeah. Even though we live in the age of streaming. Well, sometimes it breathes new life into the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I covered White Zombie last week on my podcast, and you know, White Zombie has existed for decades in horrible, scratchy oh, prints. I, I think one of the worst things about it was that you could barely understand what anybody was saying most of the time. Right. And now we have a couple restored versions that are just absolutely incredible. So it's cool when they do this. And thankfully, I think now a lot of those films that were kind of dismissed in the past are either because of the internet and they see that there's a uh, group of people who love these movies or something like that. They're getting re-released and they're getting a second look. Uh, you know, white zombie, believe it or not, was dismissed for decades. I mean, it was, it was dismissed and people did not take it seriously. Even, I don't even think a lot of Lugosi fans took it seriously, but thankfully somewhere along the line, it got reevaluated and now we have a special edition version. Uh, little secret. I love white zombie. It is, it is my favorite Lugosi film. Me too. But the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. Oh really? And I think <laughs> it was because I had watched a really bad, bad, 
bottom of the barrel, yeah. low budget, <laughs> low end <laughs> print or transfer. Yeah. It looked terrible. And I was just like, man, what is this? This is yeah. terrible. I couldn't, I didn't dig it at all. Now, over the years, I've since corrected myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think I own three or four copies of it now. Uh, you mentioned on your last episode of Vampire Over Hollywood, the Roan Group release of White Zombie. That's one of the best, if not the best release of that movie. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to get my hands on it. I have the uh, the Kino release, which has been kind of – it's got some bad reviews because the actual main feature on the DVD or the Blu-ray is uh, – it's kind of a little too perfect, honestly. They call it a photoshopped version of it. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of like they've gone in and cleaned it up a little too much because you want it to look good, but you you still want that grain there. You know, you still want to see that it's a film. But uh, on the special features, they included a raw version, quote unquote raw, and uh, it is just a straight print of whatever print they found, just cleaned up, and it's it's got the pops and the scratches, but it's a fantastic print, and so that's what I always go for. I, I skip the main feature and and go for that uh, extra feature. But yeah, I want to get my hands on that Rowan Group version. Like I said, it's one of the best. I, I really enjoyed. Now I, I own it like three or four different ways. Like I said. yeah, so I've got do the, I. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that and that's the thing too. I think the studios have figured out that us monster kids have disposable income too. So uh, yeah, every, every know, couple of years, here's a new version of Phantom of the Opera. You know, it's like, oh man, come on. You know, some of us don't have disposable income and oh, still no. buy these films. So, <laughs> but yeah. good point. Good point. And, you know, I, I mentioned uh, the Death Kiss, which is out on Blu-ray, and yes. some feedback to your show. Yes. That's another one that so many different copies of that are out there now it's it's terrible quality because it's public domain and mill creek puts it out and i like mill creek but he put four movies on a disc it's going to show right yeah you know the death kiss lugosi made a lot of um public domain or not public domain but lower quality films in the 30s right. and then and then in the 40s he went to prc who did this film today that we're covering and he did uh, monogram films a lot of those films from the 40s survive in better condition than obviously the ones from the early 30s kind of like the death kiss is there's that new uh, blu-ray that just came out i haven't got my hands on that but i've heard really good things about it oh it looks good i really enjoy it yeah it's a, so. it's, a, it's a fun movie and it's fun to see lugosi kind of flex his muscles that early in his career oh absolutely you know absolutely. he's still trying to figure out what he wants to be or what hollywood wants him to be because i mean he got typecast as dracula and yeah I state this on my show. I don't claim to be a Lugosi expert. I just love his acting. I, I love his story. But, you know, at that point in his career, he had just come off of Dracula. I'm not sure. Was it before or after White Zombie? I think it was after White Zombie. And, I think so. um, yeah, and he, uh, he was still in command of the screen. I mean, he owned it. And so anytime he's on screen, and it was like that all of his career, but especially early on, anytime he's on screen, he just draws you to him. And he's got that power in his, whether it's in his voice or in his gestures or in his acting, so that even in a film like The Death Kiss, which isn't necessarily a horror film, you're still drawn to him, and he's he's not necessarily the center of the plot either. He's very much a side character in that film, and you're still drawn to him every mm -hmm. time he's on screen. There, there's not a lot of actors who can do that. You know, I can think of like Vincent Price, who's like that, definitely Karloff, but sure. Lugosi, to an extent, it's almost otherworldly. It's kind of strange, but that was the power of his acting. Yeah, even when he's part of an ensemble cast, like in The Death Kiss, you can't help but watch him and you know he had an exotic look and some of it had to do with you know he was eastern european and all these other white guys around you know there yeah. was this he stood out a little bit but he still commanded the screen my wife and i were flipping through channels one day and tcm was showing ninochka 
1939 film with Garbo. Yes, yes. And I'd like to believe the reason we stopped and the reason she stopped to watch the movie is because it was a scene with Lugosi in it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and you know, you yeah. have to you have to do that now because let's face it, Lugosi is not on TV very much anymore. So. This is true. Well, yeah. she's not she's not a hardcore fan like I am, but you know, I'd like to believe that he still had the power over my wife to make her <laughs> stop flipping channels. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, hey, that, you know that that would I'd like to believe that I don't know if that would work with my wife, but um, <laughs> but there's just something about him. That's definitely why I I started this podcast because no matter what film it is that you're watching that features Lugosi, there's just something about that film that's got a hypnotic quality. You know, it doesn't matter if you're watching White Zombie or it doesn't matter if you're watching Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. I mean, it's <laughs> it's. It's just something that, that draws you in. And so, in my opinion, there's always something to find in a film that Lugosi is in. There's, there's always something interesting, whether it's Ed Wood films or anything like that. There, there's something there. Uh, in the last episode that we just recorded here or released on Monster Kid Radio, our guest, Jonathan Lampley, was talking about how when you watch a Vincent Price movie, even if it's a Price movie that he's phoning in, oh, yeah. you know, a phoned-in Price performance is still much more enjoyable than somebody taking it really seriously. And I feel like Lugosi never phoned it in. No, he always took things so professionally. He was on set and on when the cameras were on, even if it's an Ed Wood film. Yeah, you know that's that's the thing about him. He believed in his craft, and he knew that he had a talent. And I think he was constantly trying to prove himself, and that probably helped a lot too. You know, I I love Vincent Price as well. He's in my top four uh, actors, and but I feel like. Vincent knew during his life that he he was a success. He knew that he had a lot of fans. He he pretty much could get any role that he chose, and so he could afford to phone it in on a picture or two. You know what I mean? And, uh, and but, when we say that, we don't mean this disparagingly. No, I mean, no, it's just, no, absolutely you know, not. It, yeah, it's I, the business, and he knew it was the business. Yeah, so. I, I love I love Price. I love his films, but he could afford that. He could afford to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this movie, and I'm going to collect my check and do that. But Lugosi could never afford that. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he, he always had that kind of shadow of, am I going to have a job tomorrow hanging over him? You know, am I going to be able to act for the rest of my life? Am I going to have these fans? Because sometimes he went a few years without making a film. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. You know, his, his career definitely was uh, going by pretty fast throughout the 30s and early 40s. But... After about 1945, his career really kind of dried up a little bit. It wasn't really until, you know, Ed Wood took him under his wing that, uh, he was, he pretty much had a guaranteed job. So I kind of get that feeling from him that he, he constantly had to prove himself. And so he constantly pushed it to the limit every single time and always gave a thousand percent. And I think that's definitely, uh, easy to view in movies like Bride of the Monster. I mean, you know, the scene. <laughs> I mean, everybody, everybody knows the scene, you know, when he uh, gives his uh, speech, that, that speech is so moving. It really is. I mean, it's one of his best performances and it's Bride of the Monster. You know what I mean? So I think that definitely proves that, you know, he always pushed it and he always gave all of him into every role he did. Definitely. And you've mentioned Ed Wood a couple of times. The movie Ed Wood, they make the joke where Ed Wood talks about casting Legosi and somebody says, but wasn't he dead? That's yeah. not a, that's not a joke. I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, I, you know, it's, it, that movie is very lighthearted. It's a great film, but, uh, not very historically accurate, but no, that comment no, but is pretty, yeah, spot it's, on. it definitely is. You know, after, you know, his last bit, his last major studio role was Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein in 1948. And after that, he really only appeared in four or five films after that until his death so it's yeah. kind of shocking to see how he was just kind of 
left out in the cold, which is really heartbreaking because I don't really know if he realized how many fans he still had when he died. And, uh, you know, that hurts. And it, it really does because, you know, he, he definitely deserved to be right up there with Karloff and Chaney and, you know, cause he, he, he had that talent and he has a whole legion of fans who love his work. So, you know, I just, I hope he realized that before he left us. But anyway, I mean, he certainly had his demons, but man, he put his all into these movies Yeah, and, and really gave us something that now what almost man here in a few years, is going to be like a hundred years of, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, and, and we still love everything that he's done. Even something like, well, you mentioned Brooklyn Gorilla. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Vampire Over London, which is not, you know, the best movie in the world, but it's Lugosi doing comedy. So finally, yeah, finally. And he gets it. So to clear up the misconception in Ed Wood that he didn't understand comedy or didn't understand improv, he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we see that throughout some earlier films he did too, especially some of the ones where he played, uh, the, he played a lot of butlers and, uh, you know, he things did. like that. Yeah. yeah it's kind of strange, but you know, whatever. Um, the corpse yeah, vanishes. Yeah. He doesn't he play like a butler in that one. Yeah, I think so. And then I know he was a butler in like night monster and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. He had that penchant for comedy that kind of gets ignored a lot. And, and, uh, that's a, it's a shame because he, he definitely wished to play more comedy. I, you know, I found an interview that I ran on the first episode of Vampire Over Hollywood with him. And he says, you know, hey, I wish I could play comedy. You know, he, he says, I, I love comedy. I don't understand why people don't give me a chance to play comedy. And I really don't think it was just that. I think that he was tired of playing the boogeyman, as he put it. And yeah. uh, he had the ability to play these other roles. Like you said, uh, in, in Nanachka, early on, he wished that he could play the leading man. I definitely think he could have been capable of that. Um, it's funny, you watch his films and all you ever hear is, oh, that horrid looking man, or oh, he's so, he's so terrible looking. Uh, Lugosi was a really nice looking guy, uh, very handsome. Yeah. So I, I always kind of laugh whenever they do. I was like, he, he is not that horrible looking. You know what I mean? No, so, in the thirties, especially he, he yeah. cuts an impressive figure on screen, put him in a tux and he's looking sharp. I, I could definitely have seen him playing a lot mm-hmm. of leading man roles early on in his career, but unfortunately he never, uh, he never really got to do that. He played lots of leading men on stage in a, in his home country, but not, not over here. I've seen a handful of photos of, you know, him doing stage work over in Europe uh, before he came over here. And I'm always taken by the photo of him as Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. You know, it? it's so odd to see Dracula <laughs> done yeah, as, as the Jesus character. It's man. <laughs> it's a little jarring every time I see it. It's uh, there's the, I think it's like a collage of all the roles that he could play. And man, he looks so young and it's, yeah. it's, it's a cool picture just to see, look, he really did do this stuff because mm-hmm. he was kind of known to embellish a little bit in interviews. And so sometimes it's a little hard to tell, you know, what roles he did play, what roles he didn't play. But there's your proof right there. Yeah, he could he could do all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange picture. <laughs> Even seeing the younger photos of him as a younger Lugosi, you can still see the magnetism in his eyes. Oh, yeah. And, and- you know, I joke a lot of times with my friends, man, if I had a time machine, I'd do something crazy, like go back and watch classic movies, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, I won't stop Hitler. I'll go watch, you know, Frankenstein during his original run. But man, <laughs> to have seen Dracula on stage. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, not, or, or anything Lugosi did on stage. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, whether it was the original run of Dracula or I, I'd even be happy with his uh, brief touring throughout the United States in the, you know, the 1940s, you know, that, yeah. that. 
that would still be wonderful to be able to see him in a live theater setting. And I do believe that's where he believed he thrived. So it, it would be really cool to see him in that kind of uh, environment. And then after that, I go stop Hitler. But you know, I go see him on stage first. <laughs> well, you know, something I something I always think about uh, as 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 a fan of these films, it'd be so cool to see these films with the audience of their time. Oh man, how amazing would that be? You know, it'd be hard to you know sit there and giggle, you know, because everybody else, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we know, I, yeah, the you know the, the all the rumors of uh you know the original phantom of the opera being played in the theater and people just like throwing up in the aisles and leaving and screaming i mean imagine being in that situation where there's literally never been anything like that on the screen before and just cheney and you know that, that would be amazing i i that's what i would use the time machine for and then we could go kill Hitler. all right sounds good <laughs> 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 Let's make a deal right now, gentlemen's agreement. If either one of us come across a, a time machine, all right, <laughs> we'll take the other one on a little trip. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I'm cool. I'm Done. cool with that. Done. We're in. <laughs> oh man. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats, 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 millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate Truly worse than death. Big thanks to Nicholas for making the time to make this appearance on Monster Kid Radio. It was kind of thrown together last minute. Didn't really give us a lot of lead time to make it happen. But there was enough time to watch the movie Dead Men Walk, which we're going to talk about on the next part of our conversation. That's going to be happening here in a couple of days with episode 184. So keep it locked in to Monster Kid Radio for that. Again, we're on iTunes, Stitcher. Oh, and MonsterKidRadio.net, which is where you can find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Now that the show's over, you can head over there and find links to everything that we've talked about here on the show, links to every song that you've heard, links to our Amazon store where you can pick up books and DVDs, things that we've talked about on the podcast in the past. We get like a penny or two out of that. Our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio. Our live 365 internet radio station where there's nothing but music and trailers from classic monster movies. And our Facebook group, which is where, well, conversations are happening between listeners, between episodes. There's also a poll over there. I'm going to be posting a new poll question this weekend. So if you're a Facebook user and you're not part of the group, you want to get involved in the Facebook poll? Well, that's how you do it. Our contact information here as well. You can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. If you have any feedback for this episode or any other episode of Monster Kid Radio, well, 
write it in or call it in and we'll chat it up. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up by saying Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Horror Peak. That belongs to Burt Rocket. It's from their album Savage Island, and you can find them on Facebook. Talk to everybody in a couple of days. (laughs) 